Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstravel.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. Recording the trail less traveled in Marrakesh, Morocco. We're currently in the basement shop of Morat El Bagar, and this is in the old Medina, the old city. We're sitting in the basement, drinking tea, and Morat is playing this beautiful instrument from the Sahara. Morat was born in Western Sahara, and Morat, I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit about this instrument that you're playing. Hi, I'm Morat. Morat El Bagar. I live in Marrakesh, and I born in the desert, far from here, like 1,280 kilometers. And all what I can tell you about music. Music, it's something that it opens the heart. In general, it's opened the heart, and it's empty the heart when you think a lot, too. So the music, it's only the things it can make people happy when they are sad. And the music, too, in the desert, we use it so much. 
We have spiritual music. And people too in the desert, they're so spiritual. We think about prophet and God and the religion, more spiritual stuff. And that's how we like music, because it makes you close with the universe and with everything. You can feel it. And this is music. Morat, the instrument you play is called the gambari. Can you tell us about where it comes from? All history behind, because gambari, ganawa. In general, in Morocco, we call it ganawa. Ganawa music. It's spiritual music. This music, original before, it's, it's coming from the slaves who was in the jail in Africa, in Ghana, in Sudan, and they get freedom in Morocco. There is some castanets that's made of metal in Morocco. It sounds... This is coming from the handcuffs, the handcuffs, because before there is big handcuffs. So that's why they create that. It's coming Guinea, Ganawa, it's more African, and black people who come here, they share it with Moroccan people, and they share them culture, and they share everything. They share life, they share wives, they share everything. There is some words that we think are Africans, and there is some words in Arabic. That is the voice of Morat El-Bagar, and he was born in Western Sahara, which is 1,280 kilometers from Marrakesh, where we are recording this interview today. Morat, my first question for you is, where did you grow up, and how was adventure a part of your childhood? It's very far. It's desert and sea, where I come from. But it's so peaceful, so nice. Not a touristic place or something like that. Not so much people. We got little sea, little prog, little city, little people. We're in peace, but we don't have a, like a commercial city or something like that. That's why I start thinking to move to Marrakesh since nine years, like in 2011, 2010. I come here and I found family, make business. To find love, you must move, you know. So with the life, it's going good. And also we have a good connection with the family. So often we go see them in the desert. Since we stay here for one year or something like that, I go there and they stay for like one month or 20 days to see uncles and family, to bless them. For someone who's never been there, can you tell us about Western Sahara? It's a good place to visit. One thinks it's not a touristic place and it's not so famous. So it would be cool when you can walk free, there is freedom, people so nice. They're all dressed blue and like Saharian, Saharian dresses. We got so much festivals of music, often that people celebrate. We celebrate so much days in our cultures that we music, we meet families, and things like that. And also there, there is many things to visit about the culture and how the people they are and how they deal with the guests or with the family. In general, people, they are so nice, yeah. What's the landscape like in Western Sahara? Yeah, where I'm coming from, there is desert. But the city, it's close to the sea. But out of the city, like one kilometer, two kilometers, you are in the desert, you are in the big dunes, like Sahara, you are in the center of Sahara. You can feel it different in so much dunes, and there is camels, like clandestine camels, how we say, free camels. <laughs> they don't have a bus, you can, they just walk in the desert, and they live free. That's the voice of Morat El-Bagar. He was born in Western Sahara, which is 1,280 kilometers from Marrakesh, Morocco, where we're recording this interview today. Morat came to Marrakesh nine years ago. He's 23 years old, so that means you decided that you wanted to be a businessman and move from Western Sahara to Marrakesh when you were only 14 years old. Is that common? 
Yeah, it's normally for us. It's common. It's common because my father is a businessman. And when since I am younger, I see him collecting stuff like jewelry. And when I grow up little by little, I start to know this is a jewelry. This is what you use for. This is what you use for. And after I stay to think because I get little family in like in the center of Morocco in Marrakesh, and they move to try and it works. And they start to make little by little and work and know more, and meet more people and learn. I learned languages before. I speak just little French, I can understand, but I don't speak so much Spanish. I study it there. English, I just learned it here perfectly just by people. What was it like when you first came to Marrakesh when you were 14 and you wanted to start a business? What was that like for you? It's not something easy, but you must have a strong soul, strong feeling. You must be strong because... It's not one day or two days, it's not one month or six months. You have to be strong for the days until you make your little own shop and you get famous between the businessman and the market in general. It's not so easy. But in general, I can say it like, it's not just me who can do it. But people who have strong <laughs> and they want to do future, yeah, of course, it's life. It's full of coincidence. So always when you have a good wish, you can start to make big things from little things. Morat, I'd like to ask you now more about the color blue. You said that in Western Sahara, it's much quieter there and everyone wears blue. Yeah. You were talking about what blue represents. Blue, it's the color of respect in the peace because there, the blue, it's color of sky. So when you see sky, you feel, oh, you're free, you're peace. This is they create and this is the traditional dress for men. It's the blue. They have all men, they have blue, blue scarf and blue, blue, blue dara. It's called fuqiyah or dara in Arabic. It's the dress, it's like the jalaba. It's the blue dress. This is the color of respect. And the green color, it's color of future. In the desert, how do they dye the material blue? This is just a stone. It's just a stone that you can find it in the desert or in the mountain. It's natural. But when you put water in it, it's something, it's fixed. It's not mixed by chemical things. It can stay forever in the, in the fabric. And never when you wash it, doesn't give any color more. You must just do it the first time and so much stones and you leave it into the sky for a few days and it takes the color very fast. What's it called? The stone. We call it the indigo, but in Arabic we call it lun azraq. Hajar sagir lun azraq. The little blue stone, we call it. Morat, I'd like to ask you now about the compass. To describe it to the listener, it looks like an intricate cross, and there are many different designs and forms of them. And you were teaching me about how they were used to navigate at night in the Sahara. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, this is a symbol. It's we call it the compass, it's the GPS of the desert. So in the Moroccan people in general, they use it to navigate in the desert when they get lost because it's not so easy to travel in the nature and you don't know where you're going. So you have a direction, we say. So that is the polar star, if you heard about the North Star. The cross, it has a shape like a turtle and has a hole inside. So you enter the hole, you look to the polar star and you turn to look for two stars. When you found the two stars in the head of the turtle, it means the south. And the place of the polar star, the north star, it's, it means the north. And the right area is the west and out is the east. 
and also jewelries in general and berber and morocco they have always symbols and meaning for good meaning they use it for good luck and all things like that in general all art in morocco carpets dressing all these things of stuff they has meaning That's the voice of Morat Elbagar, and you're on the trail less traveled. We're currently sitting in the basement of one of Morat's shops here in the old Medina of Marrakesh, the kingdom of Morocco. Morat, you are a musician, and oh, here, I'd love to have a little bit more tea. Thank you so much. Marat is pouring some Moroccan mint tea in this country. It's called Moroccan whiskey because people drink it so much. Can you tell us about the tea and why you hold the pot so high up when you pour it? To make the bubbles, because the people before, they use tea and the cup, because before there is no house, I'm speaking about so much long time. So before there is no house, they have just little cups. Normally, when you pull the teapot up, see to make little bubbles. So these little bubbles, I mean like in the desert, if you drink in the tea in the desert, there is sand, it comes up to the bubbles. So down the bubbles, there is tea. So when you drink... You drink just tea, you don't drink the sand or something like that, or the dust or something like that. Oh. So in the Sahara, because there's so much sand and dust, you pour the teapot yeah. high so that there's more bubbles. Yeah. So that creates a barrier between the sand and the actual tea you're drinking. Yeah. Wow. So it doesn't go the sand inside. And what is the Moroccan whiskey made out of? Green tea. Moroccan people, they drink so much green tea. In different, different ways, like people, they make it with mint. And stuff like that. In Saharan people, they just make green tea with no mint. They drink it more stronger, like I used to drink. And the tea, it's protecting so much things. It's like a coffee, but we got used to it. It's like cigarette. <laughs> it's something that you get used to it. You could drink it a lot, like every day. So for us, tea, it's good. And also it cleans the heart. It's protect the kidney, protects so much things from the cancer. It's so good. All right, Morat, it's time for another song, and it's such a treat. We're sitting here with you on the floor drinking tea, and you've been playing your gambori, which is a instrument from the Sahara. Can you tell us about this song that you're about to play for us? Yes, I can tell you. I will play a little song. I'm just learning this music. I'm trying to do my best, so I am just starting. But I can give little notes. It's a little song. I'm not so good at singing, but I am trying my best. <laughs> Thank you. 
we're recording the trail less traveled in the old Medina of Marrakesh, Morocco, and I'm sitting here with Murat El-Bagar. He was born in Western Sahara, which is 1,280 kilometers from where we are right now. He's been in Marrakesh for the past nine years, coming here at age 14 to be a salesman, a businessman. And he has two shops now. We're sitting in the basement of one of them. We're surrounded by African masks. There's probably over 100 in this room that we're sitting in right now. Murat, can you tell us a little bit about the adventure of getting these masks? They come from all over Africa. So tell us about the adventure of collecting these masks and what they mean to you. Everything has a meaning. And for a business trip, you must have a good wish. You must be strong to do it. You're going not for one day or two days. You're going by van, by a car, so much thousands of kilometers to go to different villages until you find local people. There is someone they make, there is someone that are old. Depends some most if when you cross, you cross to Mali. After you go to Bamako and you go to the local markets for life. And you go and you meet people who make these things. For them, they have so much meaning because they use it for dancing, for spiritual things, for to take the bad things, for bad energy, for some dancing, for many things. They use the masks for fertility, for protection, things from voodoo and stuff like that. Some there is a tribes, or it's called Dogon. It's close to Timbuktu. It's in Mali, Dogon. Dogon, Fulani, Bambara. They have masks and figures. They made of bronze. They have so much meaning too behind. And after, if you go to Niger, after there is Cameroon, Nervicos, and there is another things of mask, another culture, another world, I would say. You go there and you must do the same things you did in the beginning in another country. You must look around to find local markets and to go to the right place when you can get the mask to bring it to here. And also when you can get the mask and you get information and the right information about it. So you know what you're getting. Can you tell us about one of the masks in here and what its story is? What is it used for? Yeah, I have one mask. It's like that. This is from Gabon. It's a mask. It normally is, it's the shape of women face. It's like a Chinese and they have a tattoo in the, what is it called? Forehead. Forehead. In the forehead there is a tattoo, like square. This is from Congo. They use it with little eye. This is mean people who are not sleeping, who are not deaf. It's for most spiritual things because for them, when the people die, they don't put them in a cemetery or something like that, they make a statue. They make it as a statue. They put you and they make you, as the Egyptian, they put you in some chair and something. It's also, they say, so also when he wants his father or something like that, or his mother, he can go and talk with it. So it's not that, it's not alive. It's someone who is with you for every time. That is the voice of Murat El-Bagar, and he was born in Western Sahara. We're sitting in his shop here in Marrakesh, Morocco, speaking about masks from all over Africa. My father collects masks as well. He's an African. And he always told me when I was a kid that I shouldn't ever put it on because I don't know what it was used for before, the energy. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, normally, in general, you cannot take something and you put it close to you directly because you don't know why spiritual things you can bring you good energy or bad energy. If you take it for things like that, you must clean it or you must put incense around or something like that. 
when you put it in some place close to the window or when there is air, so it's okay for you. In general, I mean, if you get even the clothes from somebody, you must wash it and clean it. If you check it directly, as you say, put it close to you, it makes you maybe not feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Murad, I'd like to ask you now about the time that you spent with your grandparents. So in some cultures, it's very important to spend time with your grandparents. Your grandparents, you know, just skip a generation and spend time with an elder. Yes, it's all gives you the good energy and the good vibration. It's your grandparents, because sometimes when even your family they can leave you and you can stay with your grandparents. For me, I passed a good moment and good time with my grandfather. As example, I I traveled with him so much. He take me with him when I was younger to so many parties, to so many places, to now and to discover and I knew many people by him. And same as my grandmother. She, she has so much tender in the heart. Mm-hmm. She has so much love. When you're sad, she can be, oh, what you happened? Everything. She give you patience, give you patience to learn, and she can advise you slowly in general, in general things if you want to learn. Because the grandparents, as we say, they have experience in life. So when they see you younger, so they know what you're doing, what you're playing, what you're everything. So always they give you the right things. And what you should do, you can ask, and you you learn from them many, many, many things. And it's so special to find the grandparents in your life too. You can feel them energy, you can feel them how they are, they can share with you. You can know yourself more. So when you're with, with your grandparents, you know your family, your father who's coming from here, your mother. How is she in general? Because she's coming from your grandmother, so you can feel more about your life and about your limit with your family and how it's going. Murad, can you tell us some of the history of the tribes in the Sahara Desert? In the past, in Morocco, it was not Arab people. No Arab people, it was just the Berber people. They were not religious before, because this is 3,600 years ago. So the Berber, they was living people who like the peace. It's people who live most on the mountain. I mean, in Morocco now, because we separate, because now there are so many countries different. Before it was just Africa, just nature. Now, like, you get, like, three Berbers different in Morocco. We got, like, the Berber from the Atlas, Atlas Mountain, the big Atlas, the high Atlas in Morocco, the mountain. They are Berber. And we got the Berber from the desert. They are black, black people. They look like African, but they're mixed by Berber people, and they speak Berber. Very good, and they're very nice people. And also, we got the Berber from the north, from the north of Morocco, from the reef, from the little Atlas, we say. They, they are good people and they have different of culture and even in the language by comparing to the Berber from the mountain or from Sahara there is little little different on the dialect how they speak and how they manage habitation and the tradition when there is the broom and the bride like wedding party or something like that to manage and the dressing and music there is different tradition in everywhere Murat what does it mean to be nomadic in the Sahara? Nomad. Nomad people, it's spiritual people. Nomad in Morocco, it's in general in Africa. Some people who are philosophic, who are more spiritual. You can learn from them as advice and as experience because these people are just traveling around the world, around the desert or the mountain, from place to place. And they're really symbolic. They're really... Really real people, you know, you can from, learn from them and they have so many culture and good education. And also the nomads, you can find them in here in Morocco, in Algeria, in Mauritania, 
yeah, they have so good people. And to live as nomad, it's not easy, you know. There is so many things, but there are people who prepared for all this stuff. So when they travel, they know there is rain, there is stuff like that. They just look for quiet places when there is no people. Quiet, they have them sheeps, them goats, little things. They take it with them, them camels and everywhere. Once a week in them traveling, when they're moving, looking for a place where there is little water so when they can have water for free for them sheep and them goats and everything, clean flows. When there is a river, they go to close villages to buy like sugar and tea and to get things to make trade by people and get back and go travel in the nature. Murad, for the compasses that are used as in navigation in the desert at night, there are 27 different shapes, you said. In Morocco, we got five shapes different, and we got five tribes, because every tribe, it have uh, them design and them different little shape and how it looks. So because before, it was 27 tribes in general, and North Africa, Berber, there is 20, and Nomad in Sahara, 27 tribes in general, like from Morocco, Algeria, Mauritania, Libya, Tunisia, Sudan, Mauritania, Mali, all this. So all, they have 27 tribes. So in Morocco, we got five, and the other rest, it's in different places. Mm. That's the voice of Morat El-Bagar. He was born in Western Sahara, which is 1,280 kilometers from where we're recording the show right now, which is in the old Medina, the old city of Marrakesh, Morocco. Morat moved to Marrakesh nine years ago uh, when he was 14 years old, and he has two shops now. We're sitting in the basement of one. Morat has many talents, and one of which is the gamburi. Yeah. Can you play another song for us on the gamburi, please?
You're on the trial, last travel. Our coaching, our location in Marrakesh, and my shop with the best friend. <laughs> Morocco. You're on the trail, 1033. Hi, Salamu Alaikum. Hanatan Jilov, Marrakesh, Mariadzit al Lakhjim, and Jil Hada. We're recording this from Marrakesh and the trail last travel. We're speaking with Marat El Bagar in the basement of one of his shops in the Old Medina, which is the old part of Marrakesh, Morocco. Marat was born in Western Sahara which is about 1,280 kilometers from where we are recording right now in Marrakesh. Morat, I would love to ask you now about the traditional foods in the Sahara. Ah, Sahara food. It's just natural food. So much vegetables, so much bread, so much tea. We drink milky things. After you put milk, after for a long time, it's become like butter, but it has another taste. It tastes so good too. From the camel or from the shape, it doesn't matter, or from the goat or from the cow, they all have taste good. Like you're making fromage, like for the morning food, like chicken, bread, olive. And also for like the general food that people have every day, it's like tenured. Tenured, it's like for the people in Sahara, it's just a bread. But you cook it in the desert. You cook it in the desert, you put meat inside, and a little onion and the garlic, and you close the bread. And you put carbons, after you put carbon in the knees and the up. And you put sand and you leave it for three or four hours. When you come back, you find it, it's perfect. And it's have a good taste and have been cooking slow and takes this time. It's have good taste, not, not cooked fast. And also we got like kind of tagine, but we put it in casserole, in big casserole. And we use it like by couscous, by meat and so much vegetables, like six kind of vegetables different, tomato and all kind. And also we got some special sweeters, dates and almond all together by tea. And also mix cacahuete and almond to make like little things to eat. You can drink it with tea. I don't know what it's called. Petit gâteau en français. Gâteau. Uh, like a cookie. Like a cookie to make little cookie. I just cookie made by cacahuete and not just simple things not by electricity just by carbons mm -hmm. <laughs> and normal things and also for the lunch and for the dinner time and the dinner time in Sahara it's different we people eat just kind of rice and stuff just mm -hmm. something simple mm -hmm. 
to wake up with good health, to wake up strong, not when you eat so much at night, when you eat so much vegetables, so much fruit. It's good, but in some ways it's not so good, you know, because you sleep directly after everything it stays in your tummy. So in the desert, we all the food we have is just simple things. And also, we have the one, it's called zumeta. It's very famous, the zumeta. You know, the flour to make, to make, to make bread. Yes, this is, you check it when it's still natural. You take the sprout and you put it in fire until it gets brown. When you crack it with stones or with big things mm-hmm. until you make it like flour. Mm-hmm. And you take it and you mix it with oil and you make like normal food and you can eat it directly with little oil and you can mix it with little water and little sugar and you check it directly with tea. It's super, super, super good. It's nice. very healthy. In general lives, in the desert, people they have natural food and good food, healthy food. Murad, I'd like to ask you about traveling in the Sahara. Do you travel at nighttime or daytime? And for what reason? Reason, reason normally they start really early morning, like four o'clock morning to 11 p.m. Because normally sometimes by the sun, it's so strong. So normally for, if they have children, if the family travel like nomad by children to another place when there is water. So normally for children, they don't want to, for the sun, it's no good they, after they get sick mm-hmm. because there's so, so strong sun and you walk and you lose so much energy. They wake up in the morning, so there is fresh air and they can work fast and they have still fresh air. So can they, until like middle of day, like at 11, 12, they put them bagage and they start to make food and stuff and, and install in one place and tent yeah. and everything. And the next day, they do the same things for two or three days. It depends how and where they are going to the north or to the south. But you use the compass, the silver compass, yeah. like 27 different designs, and you use that for like celestial navigation to yeah. see where to go. Yeah. So th- do you travel at night as well when you need to get somewhere and yes. use the stars? Yeah, normally when you travel at, at like in the really early morning, like four or three, there is still stars. So when you take direction, mm-hmm. you walk a little bit before the stars go, you focus your direction because in the daytime you can see like a sign or like a mountain where you're going. Mm-hmm. Until you arrive there and you put your luggage and your stuff until next day and you will use it again to go more where you want. That's the voice of Murat El-Bagar. He was born in Western Sahara, which is... 1,280 kilometers from where we're recording right now in Marrakesh, the kingdom of Morocco. Morat, can you tell me about how you find water in the Sahara Desert? It's easy. Water in Sahara is not something difficult, but you must have experience because the dunes, they are up, they are high. Mm -hmm. So normally, if you want to go water fast, you must go between the dunes. There is like this dunes 500 meters, there is 30 meters in different... So when you find like a couple, you must go in between them. So if you want to look for the water, you can find it. I mean, like just by crushing the water. Because before, it's the, like before all planet was just water. So it's easy to find water in the desert. And of course, there is some places where there is, even in the desert, there is, there is just desert, but you can find like a little river crossing thousands of thousands of kilometers to another place and it's going. So it's not so hard to find water. But can you explain how you find it? How would I know where there's water? If you needed water, you have like two hours, you still have two hours, you you still have two hours of energy, one hour. It's only the place, stand in your place and look between the dunes, the dunes of the sand, between them, you find like plain place, place of grass, 
just around, just simple, and you can dig five, two, three meters, and you will find the water fast. I want to ask you, what can the West learn from the ways that the nomads have been living in the Sahara Desert for thousands of years? You can learn many things. From the desert, you can miss peace, the respect, the nature, respect people, you respect many things. And also, it's, you go there and you try to live like a, people live there. It's different of experience. And you will learn more, more things because people are so simple how people expect. People that are simple at the top <laughs> of simple. They're just simple people. Maybe you cannot speak them language if they're Berber or Saharian. Maybe you can communicate with them if you can talk to them just by hands. They invite you. They're so hospitality people. Morat, I want to say thank you so much for your time and energy and joining me on the trail less traveled. You're welcome. Marhaba. Marhaba. <laughs> Can we end your show with three bits of life advice? Advice. I hope everybody can give uh, things to other people, ensure strong conversation to all people to be all together because we are all human and I hope everything is going well with everybody. What advice do you have for someone who's visiting Morocco? For visiting Morocco, you are welcome. Everything is prepared. There is tea, there is tagine. <laughs> Morocco, normally in big cities, it's normal, but out like little places, there is so many things, so many hospitality for people, for visitor to visitor. Yeah. yeah. Normally for to be in Morocco and to visit, you must come more than one week. Yes. That is for sure. That is, you will, you will discover many places. So at least you have three days or five days or four days in everywhere, in every city, in every village. So you can, you can feel a little bit life. Morat, can you end your show with a song? I play you my favorite song. <laughs> the Trail Less Traveled is being recorded in the old Medina of Marrakesh. We're sitting in the basement of Morat El-Bagar's shop and he's playing a gambori. Mandela here, your host of The Trail Has Traveled. I'd like to thank you for joining me on location in the underground of Marrakesh's Medina, the old part of Marrakesh. We were on location with Maroud El Bugari. Maroud moved to Marrakesh at the age of 14 when he became a businessman and traveled around Africa gathering and selling African masks. Again, he started that career at the age of 14, and he is now 23 and working from multiple shops in the Medina in Marrakesh. The Trail Less Traveled airs every Sunday evening at 6. You can stream the show live online at trail1033.com. The show is also a podcast, which is available on all platforms, including Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, and Google Play. 
I'd love it if you checked out the official website, traillesstraveled.net. You can follow the show as it's recorded on location around the world and check out some of our outreach programs. The Trail Less Traveled is dedicated to collecting stories and sounds from around the world. My adventure to this week is simple. Don't plan too much. There is a saying that prior planning prevents piss-poor performance, but I have found that when you walk out the door in a foreign country without any particularly set plans, that's when the true adventure unfolds. So make time to chat with strangers, jump on that random bus, and always say yes to tea. That's it for this week, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week, please get outside and do something for Mother Earth. And also, as you know, shred the gnar, because it doesn't shred itself. G'day mate, this is Joe coming to you from the Sunshine Coast in Eastern Australia. The Trail Less Travelled podcast is sponsored by Desert Green Hemp, family farmed, organically grown, tested and manufactured in Sisters, Oregon. Desert Green grows some of the finest genetics in the world using organic and biodynamic practices to provide the cleanest and most effective CBD. The rich volcanic mountain soils, dry climate and directly sourced mountain spring waters are what gives Desert Green uniquely pure and powerful CBD products. They also grow a variety of herbs and flowers on their farms that not only provide a direct source for some of their products, but also introduce beneficial bugs and pollinators to their land. Desert Green Hemp pride themselves on contributing to the regeneration of social, economic and environmental health on our planet. Visit DesertGreenHemp.com and remember to use the promo code MANDELA, M-A-N-D-E-L-A. This promo code will get you discounts and special offers. That promo code, MANDELA, directly helps you and the future of Adventure Radio.